Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC multiverse and the legacy of Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back. We are still in 1965. Today we're looking at a story from issue 37 of Justice League of America, which was published on the 10th of June 1965, with a cover date of August 1965. The cover is a giant pink thunderbolt Gosh. attacking the Justice Society of America, whose roll call is Green Lantern, Alan Scott, Dr. Fate, The Atom, Al Pratt, The Flash, Jay Garrick, and, reintroducing, Mr. Terrific. Exciting. Excellent. Exciting. So there we are. It's interesting this cover, like quite a few of the other ones that we've done recently, there's a heck of a lot of text on it, isn't there? Yes. And the captions say, What? Not a single member of the Mighty Justice League on this cover? Why are the superheroes of the legendary Justice Society battling the menace of a living lightning bolt on the Earth without a Justice League? And in the corner there's a little triangular caption saying, a super spectacular that is sure to become a classic. I love that. I'm, f- I'm sure I've heard that many times over the years. A super spectacular that is sure to become a classic. Hyperbole. I think they said that for the Wonder Woman episode we did last week and it wasn't really. So <laughs> <laughs> It kind of was. They said that every page for that issue. <laughs> I'm still, a week later, I'm still surprised by how much I enjoyed it. So we've got kind of the same scene on the splash page inside the comic with the JSA kind of tackling uh, the Thunderbolts. And the caption reads... Where is the Justice League, you wonder? What are the superheroes of the Justice Society doing on Earth-1? Why are they fighting the Badnesian Hex Thunderbolt of their fellow member Johnny Thunder? For the answers to these questions, startling and stunning as they are, read on. Embrace yourself for the amazing and astounding situation that has developed on... The Earth Earth Without Without a a Justice Justice League. League. It's interesting, the splash panel has Hawkman who's not on the cover. Ah, true, yes. I should probably say the cover's apparently by Mike Sikowski, I think it's by Murphy Anderson. I do, I do like the cover. And I'll probably leave my usual moans about Mike Sikowski's interior artwork as we go on. But anyway, yes, so we have a tiny little box at the bottom which has the roll call of the Justice Society members who are in this story. From left to right, we have the little headshots of the Atom, Doctor Fate, Flash, Green Lantern, Hawkman and Mr. Terrific. And there's a little asterisk with another caption box, and that caption box says... Editor's note, since Earth-1 has been deprived of its Justice League, this issue's roll call consists of members from the Justice Society of America of Earth-2. Well, well, well. We've seen these characters before, apart from Mr. Terrific. So, Mm. David, tell us a bit about Mr. Terrific. Mr. Terrific, gee whiz. You know, from a personal point of view, he's a a real favourite character of mine. I first met Mr. Terrific in the 1979 Justice League, Justice Society team-up story. And I think that was the first time you met him as well, wasn't it, Pete? Yep, that's true, yes. And and it's a story we're both looking forward to to covering. Um, It's quite a way off, obviously, but we'll get there eventually. And Mr. Terrific, he's he's an interesting character because he doesn't actually have any superpowers beyond a really high intelligence, a photographic memory, and a kind of a natural affinity at having natural affinities, I think he's described in a later comic. (laughs) He's the guy with fair play written on his on his tummy. And we've said a few times in the podcast how characters like Our Man and Starman and the Golden Age Starman all kind of got a second wind in the 90s uh-huh. when people like, you know, James Robinson and Jeff Johns and Mark Wade and Matt Wagner got a hold of them. 
And Mr. Terrific's one of those as well. I mean, he's pretty obscure, even by Golden Age Super DC superhero standards. Yeah. He, f- he first appeared in issue one of Sensation Comics, which was the anthology title that Wonder Woman also appeared in. Mm-hmm. And he ran all the way from issue one, which came out in November 1941, to issue 63, which came out in January of 1947, covered March 1947, which is quite a good run compared to some of the other guys we've talked about, like Salman and Our Man. Uh-huh. And he also appeared for one issue only in All-Star Comics issue 24, when he kind of subbed in to the Justice Society. And there's also evidence that there was maybe plans for him to be in other stories. He basically subbed in. There was a period when All-American and National had kind of fallen out, so only All-American characters were appearing in All-Star Comics, and Terry was one of them. It's probably safe to say that in the 90s, his profile was probably the highest it had been since the 40s, because he featured in a story of John Ostrander's Spectre series, which yes. was really, really good. Very, very inspirational. Introduced um, the Michael Holt, Mr. Terrific, who's still around to this day. But he was also featured in stuff like the Justice Society Returns crossover. He mm-hmm. had a focus story um, written by Mark Wade during all that. He appeared in also comics, 8 page giants, a lot of the, the JSA series, Justice Society, Strange Adventures, The Liberty File, he appeared in that, which was an Elseworlds by Tony Harris. He's never quite been an A-lister but it's, it's clear I think that he has a lot of fans. The writers that did use him in the, the 90s and the noughties, they probably saw him in that issue of Justice League that came out in 1979 or else they saw yeah. him in one of the crowd scenes in All-Star Squadron and Young All-Stars and thought, this guy's quite interesting, we can do a bit more with him, you know? Absolutely, yes. One of my moans about All-Star Squadron when we get to it is that Mr. Terrific, I think, has about three lines in the whole run. <laughs> I don't think Roy Thomas must have liked him very much because he didn't use him, you know. Maybe if it continued in its additional format, there might have been more stories for him. But, that's, uh, yeah, that's true. Certainly nothing that we're aware of. And, of course, when it became Young All-Stars post-crisis, then, you know, the focus was on the younger characters. And he didn't have any sidekicks or anything like that. He was, you know, like a solo mm-hmm. adult character, so... Mm-hmm. There really wasn't anything for him to do. Yeah. It's a shame. I mean, I always hoped for an issue of All-Star Squadron where something like Mr. Terrific and The Guardian and The Tarantula, you know, a couple of the other guys that didn't have superpowers as such all had to team up because the, the powered guys got taken out. It's the sort of thing that I always thought Roy could have done. But yeah. anyway, we'll see a fair bit of Mr. Terrific as we go along in the podcast. Um, he gets a bit more to do than some folk and a lot less to do than some others but you know Peter and I are both big fans yes. of him he inspired my very first tattoo <laughs> <laughs> I've got a fair play tattooed on my shoulder inspired by Mr Terrific so we're big fans and we're very glad that he's here shall we crack on with the story then Peter let's do that first page the opening panel and the caption reads the very air seems charged with excitement when one receives a special delivery letter and such proves the case with Johnny Thunder. Now, we should probably very quickly tell you about Johnny Thunder, because he has popped up a couple of times already, but we haven't really gone into any real detail on him. Johnny Thunder first appeared in issue one of Flash Comics, which was the anthology title that Jay Garrick appeared in, and he was in it from issues one to 91. From issue 86 to 91, he shared the billing and the stories with Black Canary, and eventually, of course, Canary bumped him out altogether. He was a, a mascot and then a member of the Justice Society of America, appearing between issues two and 39 of All-Star Comics. Where do you stand on Johnny Thunder, Pizzi? Uh, yeah, like Johnny Thunder. He always seems a bit kind of hapless, not quite hugely competent, a bit like comic relief kind of character. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, you know, he has a magical genie that can do anything he commands, but the limitations are Johnny's imagination. Aye. And Johnny is a, not the sharpest tool in the box, shall we say. Mm. But his heart's in the right place. So yeah, I've always liked Johnny. Uh, plus he wears uh, a bow tie. And bow ties are cool, as we've established. Yeah, I like Johnny Thunder. He's a fun character. And if he's written well, he can be tremendous. He also was used really well in stuff like the Justice Society Returns and Justice Society Strange Adventures in the late 90s and early noughties. 
So anyway, Johnny has received a letter. Johnny stood there in his bow tie, and it's it's a bluer suit than we're used to seeing him. Historically, always wore a green suit, but there's definitely a bluish tint to this one. And Johnny is reading the letter and thinking to himself, Well, it's about time I finally was invited to attend a meeting of the Revived Justice Society of America. It's been burning me up the way they've been going off on adventures again, without giving me a tumble. I helped them out before, and I can help them out again. Me and my Thunderbolt will... Dopes! I forgot. I had a quarrel with my Thunderbolt and haven't called on him lately. Hope he's not sore at me. Say you, Thunderbolt, come here. As he speaks the Batnesian hex words, say you, pronounced say you, the Thunderbolt that is compelled to obey Johnny Thunder's commands makes his appearance. And Johnny Thunder says, I apologise. And the Thunderbolt basically is coming through the wall, which is terrific, and he's saying, Boy, you just caught me in the nick of time. I was about to shake dust out of this world. I'm getting rusty not doing anything. Listen, you belong to me. Don't you forget it. Besides, where would you go? No one else has power over you. To Earth One, that's where. I bet it's Johnny Thunder. Wouldn't treat me the way you do. And a close-up Johnny's nibbling in his thumb and he says, Hmm, seems I have heard something about Earth One, where things happen more or less the way they do in my Earth. I wonder what the other Johnny Thunder looks like. I sure wish I'd come face to face with him. And the caption for the bottom panel of page two says, No sooner said than done. Johnny Thunder is Thunderbolt transported to his Earth One counterpart. And the Thunderbolt has magic to our Johnny Thunder to the side of his Earth One counterpart. Now, it must be said, he looks very like Barry Allen, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, although he looks a bit more kind of spivvy than Barry Allen. Yeah, sort of the bow tie and the check jacket. You could be forgiven if, if you were... Perhaps reading this comic through quickly, rather hurriedly, for thinking it maybe it was Barry Allen, but a closer reading would tell you otherwise. The Earth One Johnny Thunder is sat in a chair, and it's a, it's a rather shabby apartment, because we can see a hole in the plaster on the wall with bricks popping through and stuff. But Earth One Johnny is sat in a chair, reading a newspaper, and Earth Two Johnny Thunder proclaims, So you're Johnny Thunder! You don't look like much to me! And the Thunderbolt thinks, I have a sinking feeling I committed a big boo-boo by bringing Johnny here, but... His wish was my command. Moving to the top of page three, and the caption says, For several moments, the two Johnny Thunders eye each other from head to toe. And Earth 2 Johnny says, However, I must admit, you're very good looking, but that's only because you look like me. And Earth 1 Johnny responds, Say, pal, I remember reading about you and your Thunderbolt. Is he for real? Does he really make with them hocus pocus stunts? And our Johnny replies, Of course. But my, your grammar is awful, Johnny Thunderworth one says. You leave Grandma out of this. I'm talking about your Thunderbolt. I never was given one, even though I was brought up by the Badnesians just like you was. I would have the power to make it obey me. N no, Thunderbolt? I'm, I'm sorry. And in the next panel, the Earth-1 Johnny Thunder punches out the Earth-2 Johnny Thunder with a zock, saying, Don't feel too sorry, Bo. I got me an idea. And Thunderbolt looks very pained in the background that he says, Ah, trouble starting, just as I anticipated. In the next panel, Johnny Thunder of Earth 2 is flat out on the floor. Johnny Thunder of Earth 1 is in the foreground of the panel, saying, Now, I got a Thunderbolt all for myself. Let's see now. How do I get him to obey me? What's the magic voids? Oh, say, can you see? Nah, that's the Star Spangled Banner. Is it, you see? And the Thunderbolt, who's leaning on Earth One Johnny Thunder's bed, says, This one's worse than the other, and he was so dumb, he thought, a polar cap with something to keep your head warm. Suddenly, Johnny Thunder of Earth One has got it, points his finger at the Thunderbolt, saying, Say you! Sure, that's it! Say you, Thunderbolt! Hop down to the Universal Technical Company and swipe their payroll! The Thunderbolt says, But that's stealing! Only bad guys steal! Over the page to page four, 
Johnny says. So I'm a bad guy. A crook, see? What makes you think everybody has to be a good guy? Earth 1 ain't always the same as Earth 2. I'm an exception, so get going, Thunderbolt thinks. My new master, a Simon Legree, and I thought I was bad off in Earth 2. Now, do you know who Simon Legree is? No, tell me. He's from Uncle Tom's Cabin. He's a slave owner. Oh. And basically, if you refer to it as a Simon Legree, then you are a tyrannical slave driver. Interesting. That's something that's really dropped from modern day parlance, shall we say. So in the next panel, I think that last thought bubble from the Thunderbolt probably should have been out loud because Johnny says, Never mind the comments! Get the payroll! And Thunderbolt moves off, thinking, I wouldn't do this if I didn't have to, but orders is orders. The caption for the next panel says, Into the offices of the Universal Technical Company, Hop Speeds, the Batnesian Bolts. And sure enough, we see the Thunderbolt. It looks, yeah, it just looks like an office sort of area. There's a typewriter on the desk. There's a couple of chairs and some notepads. And we see the Thunderbolt bouncing in, thinking to himself. Hop down, he said. My new master is sure tough on me. And sure enough, he is hopping. He's been hopping all the way there because that's exactly what Johnny's command was. Hop down. Yeah. Caption for the next panel. Next instance. And Thunderbolt has bounced right into the safe, thinking. Oops. Mistrust my speed. That's what comes from being out of practice. It's a giant clunk sound effect. It's very funny. He looks a bit sore. That's a shame. And then the caption for the next panel, quite excitingly, says... The metallic clang of that impact rouses the attention of Barry Flash Allen on hand to get a special tool for his scientific research laboratory. Fantastic. Yes, it's Barry Allen. And we can see him observing the thunderbolt ripping the door off the safe. And Barry thinks to himself, a living lightning bolt ripping off the doors of that safe. Caption for the next panel says, In split seconds, the young scientist disappears, and in his place... It's the Flash! Fantastic! The Flash zooms in, and behind the Thunderbolt, who's picking up flipping great wadges of cash that he's lifting out of the safe, and the Flash is thinking, He looks familiar! Where did I see a character like that before? And on the top of page five, the caption says, Lightning fast hands start back and forth over the lightning light figure. Sure enough, we see it's almost like Barry's playing patty cake on Thunderbolt's back, and Thunderbolt was dropping some of the money, and he says, Hey, Flash, cut that out. Don't you know me? And Flash says, Suppose you tell me. Caption for the next panel says, Then as the Flash spins the safe cracker into whirlwind motion. This is a great panel. We can see the safe door lying on the floor, the office equipment all over the place. And Barry is running in a circle around the Thunderbolt. There's money flying everywhere. And Thunderbolt is saying, I'm Johnny Thunder's famous Thunderbolt. You must have heard about me. And as Barry circles the Thunderbolt at great speed, he says, Sure, that's it. I read about you in the old Flash comics and the Johnny Thunder stories that took place on Earth too. What are you doing here robbing a safe? Caption for the next panel. At that moment, an impatient Johnny Thunder shouts a command. And we're back with the Johnny Thunder of Earth 1, and he's looking at a little alarm clock on a shelf, which is now saying five past four, and he says, What's keeping the Thunderbolt? He should have been back here by now. If he's up to any tricks, I'll... Say you, Thunderbolt, come here at once. Caption for the next panel. Forced to obey, the Batnesian Bolt appears. Yep, Thunderbolt's back, and he says, Lucky for you, you called me back just then. The Flash was about to learn what you're up to. And Johnny says, The Flash? Oh no, I never counted on that. And he continues in close-up. The Justice League's bound to get after me sooner or later. I'm not sure the T-Ball can take on all those superheroes and beat them. No one has before. If only they wasn't around. Wait, I got it. And he's pointing his finger up as if he's been inspired in the next panel, and he says, I know what to do so the JLA can't bother me, ever. 
and in close-up the Thunderbolt is thinking, Whew, that whirl around Flash gave me made me dizzy. That's great, actually. The Thunderbolt expression is fantastic. He really does look uncomfortable. So we're over the page now to the top of page six, and Johnny says, Say you, now hear this. Go back in time and do whatever you have to do to prevent the Justice League from ever becoming superheroes. And the Thunderbolt salutes, saying, Aye, aye, mon capitan. <laughs> Brilliant. Right, the next panel, the Thunderbolt is outside. It's night time, and the caption says, Instantly, the Thunderbolt takes off on a backward flight through time to Central City during a violent electrical storm. And Thunderbolt's up in the sky, and he gets struck by lightning, saying, Sorry, cousin, but I've got to cut your journey short to that laboratory down below. And the caption for the next panel, Deflecting the lightning bolts, the Badnesian hex harpoon prevents Barry Allen from getting the lightning-caused chemical bath which originally turned him into the Flash. And the panel shows Barry Allen in his laboratory with the shelves full of chemicals and stuff behind him. He's putting his coat on and he's thinking, I have all the chemicals indexed properly, so I might as well go home. We can see the lightning storm raging in the sky outside, so wow. How does that tie in with all of Mark Wade's speed force theory then, eh? Anyway, the caption for the next panel says, Outward, into space and time, darts the Thunderbolts to the planet Krypton, where... We see the Thunderbolt flying through space, past a, a flaring red sun, it must be mm -hmm. said, and he thinks to himself, When Krypton exploded, the Superman-to-be was rocketed away from his native planet in a spaceship while still a baby. But by changing the fissionable uranium core of the planet Krypton into lead... I'll prevent that explosion. Then Super Baby won't leave home and Superman will never exist on Earth. Wow. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Good grief. That I mean, that makes me feel really sad for everyone on um, on Krypton. Yes. If only they'd had a way of contacting the, the Thunderbolt. They might have, oh, that's so sad. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> anyway, it's an interesting panel, this one. We see the Thunderbolt sort of waving his hands and presumably he's in the core of the planet turning it to lead. So the final caption on page six says, On his way back to Earth 1... The hex bolt stops off at another point in time as a spaceship is speeding through the solar system. And we see the Thunderbolt still in space. There's a blue spaceship. It looks just basically like an, like an aeroplane, I suppose. And the Thunderbolt is intercepting a sort of yellow flash sort of lightning sort of effect. And he's thinking, By preventing that deadly yellow radiation from stunning Abin Sur, he will be able to pull out of his dive and never crash on Earth. Wow. So over the page to page seven, we see the spaceship flying off on its journey, and the Thunderbolt thinks, There he goes! Still the Green Lantern of this space sector. Test pilot Hal Jordan has missed his chance to become Green Lantern. Man, the, the implications of all this are a little bit too much for me to take, I can't lie. Anyway, right, so the caption for the next panel. Onward into space-time races the Thunderbolt to shatter a white dwarf star fragment that would otherwise have fallen into an ivy town meadow. Quite a simple panel, just showing the Thunderbolt punching the white dwarf star fragment into pieces and a little burst of energy all around it. And he's thinking, I'll smash it to space dust, thus preventing Ray Palmer from using it to make himself the world's smallest superhero, the Atom. Wow, right. The caption for the next panel. Back to Earth, he hurtles again to that critical moment when Dr. Erdl is about to activate his robot brain invention. And we see the Thunderbolt inside Dr. Erdl's laboratory. There's equipment banks on either side. Dr. Erdl, he looks a bit like Albert Einstein, I suppose. Yes, uh-huh. mad hair, big, white, big long white moustache, mm -hmm. yeah. If you're familiar with uh, Michael Cooperberg's drawings of Mark Twain and Einstein, he looks quite like those. But anyway... The Thunderbolt is sort of peering down at him and he's thinking, When the good doctor turns on his robot brain, it'll short-circuit and fail to work. And the next panel shows lots of bzzz and click sound effects and a very disappointed Dr. Erdl saying, 
I failed. And Thunderbolt stands behind him, thinking, Yes, you failed, Dr. Erdl. Now John Johns won't come to Earth as the Martian Manhunter. Wow. Right, the caption for the next panel says, Into Gotham City, he speeds to that instant in time when Batman is making his first appearance as the Masked Manhunter. And this is a great panel because we see Batman drawn very much as he was drawn in his first appearance. It's, it's terrific, isn't it, Pizzi? Yeah, it's uh, it's got this sail of cape that he had in Detective 27 and the, the look, yeah. They've obviously done that deliberately, so kudos to Sikowski. There's an editor's note which refers to the case of the Chemical Syndicate, Detective Comics 27 May 1938. So that's quite nice. And Batman is standing, looking at a couple of bad guys, and Thunderbolt is in the background. You can see the moon, there's a rooftop going on, and Thunderbolt is thinking, I hate doing this to Batman, but it's the only way I can cut his career short. Caption for the next panel. Assisted by the Thunderbolt, the two criminals slam heavy fists into Batman. <laughs> this is tremendous. Thunderbolt punches Batman. And I wonder if Thunderbolt's actually visible to the others. I'm not, it's not really clear. Thunderbolt punches Batman on the face and the two hoods punch him on the stomach. And Batman is recoiling, saying, Oof, where did I ever get the wild idea I'd make a good crime muster? Oof, this is my first and last case. I'm going back to being a playboy. Wow. This is heavy. Right, we move to the top of page 8 and the caption says To the bottom of the sea, to the high reaches of the air, on land and in space flashes the living lightning bolts. It's a little montage panel. We see a um, spaceship in space, we see Wonder Woman's Paradise Island, we see an underwater scene with a couple of fish. There's a shot of an arrow, a green arrow going into a target and Thunderbolt is thinking No more Aquaman, no more Wonder Woman. No more Green Arrow, no more Hawkman. I've wiped out the Justice League by preventing its superhero members from coming into existence. So, the Thunderbolt returns to Johnny Thunder's apartment, and the caption says, When he returns to make his reports, and very pained Thunderbolt with his hand up to his forehead says, Mission accomplished, but please, no more jobs like that. I'm exhausted. And a jubilant Johnny Thunder exclaims, Yippee! Nothing can stop me now! And Thunderbolt says, You realise, of course, since there are no more superpowered crime fighters here, this Earth has been altered. Johnny punches his palm with his fist, saying, OK, so I'll call it Earth A. A for alternate. And man, am I ever going to get rich with your help? Story continues on third page falling. Right, let's pause for a second yes. here. It's a while since I've read the first appearance of the Martian Man or, or his origin, but Dr. Erdl died, didn't he? I believe he did, yes. Yes, yeah, so, so, I mean, that's that's one difference for, for a start, but I, I love the fact that Thunderbolt is intimately aware of the details and the origin of, of the origins yeah. of every single member of the Justice League. It's magic. Magic. Yeah. The Krypton thing is amazing. Oh. Everyone in Krypton lives. That's yeah. incredible. There's still a Green Lantern of the sector. That's that's great. The Batman origin, there is a problem with. Ah, good. Right. Because although the first appearance of Batman is Detective Comics 27, mm -hmm. it's not his first case. Of course. The actual opening panels of Detective 27 are Bruce Wayne and Commissioner Gordon sitting, chatting about the Batman. Right. So obviously he's, he's existed before that story, the case of the Chemical Syndicate. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So that's not actually his first case. He has... Right worked before and in fact yeah. there's a story called Batman's First Case uh, that was in Detective Comics 265 that was uh, published 22nd of January 1959 right. cover date March 1959 and in that actually get a bit of a flashback to his origin a nice three panel flashback there are perils but they don't fall <laughs> <laughs> so you get that but he fights a minor hood who then in this story comes back uh, as a character called The Clock who's very much like The Clock King uh, right. Who we get later on. Okay. But yet, this scene doesn't fit into that story, which is 
basically what is definitely the Earth One Batman's first yeah. case, and this is the Earth One Batman because that's a, yeah. the Earth One Batman story. Uh-huh. But also, if they're saying that this is Detective Comics twenty seven, the Batman's first appearance, as I said, it's not his first case. <laughs> so he has yeah. fought crime before that. Yeah. So maybe the Thunderbolt's just been reading Batman comics, uh, yeah. perhaps picked up I mean, from Earth One to find out the origins. Yeah. Who I mean, knows? And it's interesting because obviously, if they're referring back to Detective Comics twenty seven, that's the that's going to be the the Golden Age Earth Two Batman, really, isn't it? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not going to be the Earth One Batman. Yeah. That's fascinating. It's really weird. Yeah. I mean, anytime I've read this story, I've always been struck by the, the effort they've made, obviously, you know, and as we mentioned it there, obviously, to replicate the look uh-huh. of, of how Batman looked in that first story. And it's, it's a nice idea, but immediately the contradiction is there because they're talking about the Earth 1 Batman, but they're showing a flashback to a story by this point they've established would have been the Earth 2 Batman. You know, that's, that's fascinating. Yeah. Right. So, mm-hmm. shall we continue to, to Chapter 2? Yes, Part 2. Earth Without a Justice League. On Earth 2, at the secret headquarters where the members of the revived Justice Society of America take their ease, frowns of worry crease the foreheads of the gathered members. Dr. Fate, Green Lantern, Atom, Flash, Hawkman, and Mr. Terrific. Where is Johnny Thunder? Why is he so late? What can be detaining him? This is a nice panel of the JSA. Dr. Fate in the foreground, some nice shading on his helmet. Mr. Terrific has sat down. Green Lantern, Hawkman in the background, the Atom to the left of the panel, and the Flash, I suppose, in the middle foreground. And the Atom is saying, I'm getting worried about Johnny Thunder. He should have been here hours ago. And the Flash is saying, Maybe we'd better start a search for him. And Dr. Fate obviously has an idea, because he says, I'll smoke him out with my crystal ball. And the caption for the next panel says, In that section of the clubhouse where he keeps a spare crystal ball, Dr. Fate charges it with magical power. He keeps a spare crystal ball. Fantastic. Right, so we then see in the next panel Dr. Fate, Green Lantern, the rest of the JSA standing around this large crystal ball which is on the floor. Dr. Fate is gesturing and it's his magical lightning bolts that we're so used to now. And he's saying, A cloudy crystal ball. It means Johnny Thunder is nowhere on Earth. And the Atom says, That only deepens the mystery. Deep in thought there, the Atom there stroking his chin. So the caption for the next panel says, Suddenly, the magic master gestures at a glowing, jagged line of force in the crystal ball. And through the fog in the crystal ball, we see a pink lightning bolt. I wonder who that could be. And Dr. Fate declares, Look, my magic has contacted a trail of ionised air in our atmosphere, related to Johnny Thunder, because it is made by his thunderbolt. And at the top of page 10, the JSA in conference, and Dr. Fate says, By the spirits, the trail leads into Earth-1. And Alan Scott Green Lantern says, Why should he go there when he's expected here? And the Flash says, That's our Johnny. You know him, Green Lantern, and his wacky way of doing things. And Mr. Terrific says, Mr. Terrific, this first line of dialogue since 1947, (laughs) says, Close in on him, Dr. Fate. Let's see what he's up to. Caption for the next panel says, Again, the eerie conjurations of the Master Mage flow forth, and the magical properties of the crystal ball cross the barriers of space and time. And the fog in the crystal ball has cleared, and we see our Johnny Thunder, well, the Earth 2 Johnny Thunder, lying unconscious on the ground. And the Justice Society members discuss this. There he is, asleep. He was rocked asleep by a suck on the chin. But where's his thunderbolts? 
and a caption for the next panel. Focusing in on the Thunderbolts, the Justice Society members see... And this is a great panel. Johnny Thunder has got... He's got a little squad together of crooks and ne'er-do-wells. They look a right shady bunch, don't they, Pete they look very much like Steve Ditko hoods from early Spider-Man issues with thin moustaches, hats and pinstripe suits. Yeah, right, right, oh god, right shady. One guy's got a sort of derby, he's got a flower on his lapel, there's another guy in a striped suit with a bow tie and a black hat. Mm-hmm. There's another guy who looks a little bit like Richard Nixon, wearing a black suit and a red a tie. <laughs> and there's another guy who's the the printing in my copy of issue thirty seven is shocking here. Half this guy's face is obscured by a big ink splot. <laughs> yeah, it's same in mine. Is it right? Cool. Mm-hmm. There's half a dozen baddies all together, and they're almost in Johnny's apartment still. We can see the cracked plaster around the the window frame. Thunderbolt in the background being very disapproving, and the other one, Johnny Thunder, is saying, "Okay, gang, let's get out of here and rob. Remember, you got nothing to worry about now that there ain't no more superheroes on Earth. Best of all." We got the T-Ball to help us. I must admit, I love how Johnny's positioned in that panel. He looks like a minor mafioso, sort of. Yes, you know, He's got, yes, this, he's uh-huh. got these shrugged shoulders and the, uh-huh. what are you going to do? So, like, yeah. him, you know, it's very much like a wannabe hood. I absolutely, yeah, definitely. He looks a bit like Leonardo DiCaprio in this panel, don't you think? Does a bit, yeah, huh? I can see that, yeah. It's Leonardo DiCaprio playing a gangster. Maybe that's who I should have played him <laughs> as. Um, look forward to a photograph of Leonardo DiCaprio on our Twitter feed at some point, listeners. So, the the frame shifts back to the Justice Society and the caption for the next panel says, Incredulous eyes lift from the crystal ball. And the atom says, Did I hear right? No superheroes? No Adam? No Green Lantern? No Justice League? And Hawkman says, Fellow members, a new case has been tossed into our lap, and on our way to look for our friends, we'll stop that crooked Johnny Thunder and the Thunderbolt from committing that robbery. And Green Lantern says, The real Johnny Thunder can wait. He's in no imminent danger. The caption for the next panel says, As they have done in the past, the superheroes of Earth 2 vibrate into the space-time continuum of Earth 1. Now this is very interesting, because that sort of suggests that they're all doing it themselves quite easily. Yeah, as if they could casually just vibrate. Yeah, I mean it's it's a nice panel, they're in a sort of foggy limbo sort of area, Mm -hmm. they're all flying with their arms outstretched, as if they're moving through. There's no reference to it being Doctor Fate's magic, or Green Lantern's magic, or the Flash's abilities. No, if it was the vibrations then it should be the flash vibrating and it should be yeah. connected to all of them but that's not yeah. happening he doesn't look like he's vibrating at all and no. they're, they're not interlinked at all no, it's, um, very peculiar we'll probably stick this panel on the socials I'm sure so you can see it yeah definitely yeah so the atom says imagine an earth without any superheroes it seems incredible and the flash says but true apparently well there may not be any superheroes there now but there will be in moments earth one here we come and on Earth-1, as the Thunderbolt cracks open the locked doors of a suburban corporation building... And sure enough, with a giant crack sound effect, we see the Thunderbolt doing just that. Johnny's there with his hoods, and Johnny says, Say you, T-Bolt, my gang will take over now. Throw up a barrier around this place so no cops can get in to stop us. And the Thunderbolt was thinking, I forced to obey orders, even if I don't like them. How am I ever going to get out of this mess? Then the caption for the next panel says, Thus it is that as Dr. Fate and Green Lantern make visible the ionised air pattern of the Thunderbolts, the Justice Society members crack through that barrier. This is a great panel of the Justice Society arriving. Dr. Fate with his little lightning bolts projecting from his fingers, Green Lantern firing a big beam of energy, everyone else floating along behind, and Dr. Fate says, I feel a strange force about us, but it's too weak to affect us. 
Caption for the next panel says... Seconds later! And the Justice Society run into the room where Johnny and his gang are up to mischief and Johnny says... I was wanting to be a gang leader. Now it's paying off and... Go! T-Bolt! I told you to put a barrier around this place. Who are those guys? Thunderbolt says... I did put up a barrier, but only to keep out cops, like you said. You've got to tell me exactly what to do, you know? Or I'm on my own. Caption for the next panel. Before his horrified eyes, Johnny Thunder sees the Justice Society members go into their crime-busting routine. Yeah, it's almost like everything's just happening before Johnny's eyes, really, isn't it? It's quite... I like this a lot. So we see Mr. Terrific punching out the, the guy who had the flower in his lapel and his hat flies off. And Mr. Terrific says, Read Mr. Terrific, dubbed a man of a thousand talents and the defender of fair play. And then we see the Atom punching the guy with the white splodgy ink face in the stomach saying, The Atom is my name, and I may be small, but I pack a big punch. And then we see Jay Garrick spinning round with his arms out, knocking out two of the other guys and says, The Flash needs no introduction. I've been on this earth before. We move to the top of page 12 and the caption says, A little further on, a stunned Johnny watches helplessly as... There's a lot going on in this panel. Hawkman is lifting two of the baddies up by the scruff of the neck as Green Lantern pummels them with giant power ring boxing gloves. And Hawkman says, Green Lantern and I worked out this bit of teamwork. And elsewhere in the panel, we see Dr. Fate gesturing, creating some lightning bolts and sort of holes in the ceiling and I don't know, what are they? I think he's transformed the light bulbs in the ceiling to come down and hit bad guys. Ah, I suppose, yes. And Dr. Fate is saying, I'll make light work of these fellows. And in the next panel, we've got Earth One Johnny and the Thunderbolt both together, and Evil Johnny says... Who are these costume clowns? I wiped out the Justice League and now they show up. Kill them off, T-Bolt. And Thunderbolt says... Uh-uh, I'm obliged to do anything you command except kill. According to my Batnesian hex code, that's taboo. And in the next panel, Johnny says... Okay then, I'll give you the right orders. Say you, slap them guys down. Thunderbolt replies, Roger, Wilco, and over. And then the next panel, this is fantastic. <laughs> it's the only word for it. The caption says, The Thunderbolt turns himself partially into an enormous hand, and... The bottom half of Thunderbolt, which is normally just the jagged lightning bolt, is turned into a giant hand with a giant splat sound effect. He's basically panned and knocked out the Justice Society, knocking them all down. We're over onto page 13, and the caption says, Dazed but otherwise unharmed, the superbly conditioned Justice Society members slowly rise to their feet. Another nice panel. Green Lantern's already on his feet, Hawkman standing up, the Atom and Mr. Civic are rising, and Johnny's shouting, They're getting up! You didn't hit them hard enough, Thunderbolt! Do something! Thunderbolt says in the next panel, Sure, boss, but what? Remember, you must tell me what to do. I'm no mind reader. Gotta think. This ain't painting out the way I thought it would. What to do? I got it. T-Bolt, kick him off the earth. Caption for the next panel says, Again, the Badnesian hex bolt flashes out with its awesome powers. I love that I'm not having to say Badnesian terribly often. And this is another terrific panel. Thunderbolt has turned his bottom half into a giant shoe and he's basically kicking the, <laughs> the Justice Society members up the posterior, just like Bishop Brennan that time. And Thunderbolt is thinking, That's far enough. I kicked him off the earth, about ten feet off. And in the close-up of the next panel, we've got an irate Johnny with his uh, <laughs> fists up in the air, screaming at the Thunderbolt who's standing virtually to attention. That ain't what I meant, and you know it, Thunderbolt says. I know from nothing except to obey orders to the letter. And we turn over to page 14 and the first panel. Johnny says to the T-Bolt. Then get my boys away from here before those superheroes slam into him again. 
I'm on my way with a zip and a zap. Yep, and there are some giant zip and zap sound effects. This is tremendous. Johnny's hood's all lying in the ground in the back of the panel. The caption for the next panel says, Meanwhile, Dr. Fate is sending out boats of his Chaldean magic to protect his fellow Justice Society members. We see Dr. Fate gesturing with his little magic lightning bolts. We see everyone else behind him and Dr. Fate is thinking, The Thunderbolt coming at us again, but it's in for a shocking surprise. The caption for the next panel. Then the mystical mage leads a combined assault on the Badnesian hex bolts. This is a great panel because they're all basically just getting stuck into the thunderbolt. Green Lantern is zapping him with a blast from his power ring. Doctor Fate is zapping him with some magical lightning bolts. Hawkman's coming down with his mace. Flash and Mr. Terrific are getting stuck in, and the Atom's punching Thunderbolt in the face. And Doctor Fate is saying, "Protected by a magical sheathing, you can now fight in even terms with that fugitive from a thunderstorm." And Thunderbolt is yelling, "Yay! Hey, Thunder, <laughs> build me out of this uneven fight!" And the next panel, Johnny says, "Come back, Thunderbolt! Get me and you out of here!" Thunderbolt zooming away from the Justice Society says, Phew, that's a relief. It's the most sensible order you've given me all day. Caption for the next panel says, So swiftly does the Hexbolt execute his orders that the superheroes mysteriously find themselves alone with their prisoners. After questioning them... And we see the hoods on the left of the panel all looking quite sort of beaten up and quite unhappy. And the Atom is saying, These crooks claim there never has been an Atom or Flash or Green Lantern on this Earth. Dr. Fate says. Then, what happened to the Atom? My crystal ball showed us Earth-1, and we know that the Justice League used to exist here. Top of page 15, and in close-up it's Mr. Terrific and Hawkman. And Mr. Terrific says, The Johnny Thunder of this Earth must know the answer to the mystery. And Hawkman says, He and the Earth-2 Thunderbolts he's gained control of. Now hang on a second, look at Hawkman in that panel. Do you not think it looks very much like Don Heck's artwork? It doesn't look like Sikowski. I mean, compare the way the two faces are drawn, they look completely different, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hawkman looks much better, for want of a better, a better way of putting it, than Mr. Terrific. That's weird. So we move to the second panel, page 15, which shows the Flash, Doctor Fate and the Atom, and the Flash says, I suggest while some of us turn these crooks over to the police, others visit Barry Allen, Hal Jordan, Ray Palmer to try and discover what happened. Dr. Fate says, I'll see what I can do about reviving our Johnny Thunder. So we have a slow dissolve in the next panel. Sure enough, Jay Garrick's Earth 2 Flash is visiting Barry Allen's Flash at his laboratory. And indeed, the caption says, Shortly in a police research laboratory. And Barry Allen says, Me? The Flash? The fastest man on Earth? You must be putting me on. My fiancé, Iris West, always keeps calling me the slowest man on Earth. And the caption for the next panel. And in a Ferris Aircraft Company hangar. And we see Hal Jordan in full flight suit regalia. There's an airplane behind him. And he's singing to the Alan Scott Green Lantern. I've never heard of a power ring or of anyone named Abin Sur. I'm a test pilot, not a Green Lantern. And Alan Scott Green Lantern's thinking. It's as if something happened to prevent Hal Jordan from becoming the Green Lantern of Earth 1. Caption for the next panel says. In the University Laboratory of Ivy Town. And we see Ray Palmer, who's obviously hard at work on the old electron microscope or something, with the Earth-2 atom behind him. And Ray is saying, I wish I could. I've been working on compression of matter, but never got anywhere with it. In the caption for the next panel. And in Johnny Thunder's boarding house room. Dr. Fate is casting a spell over Johnny Thunder. And he's saying, The Thunderbolts must have put our Johnny in a coma. And since his magic has been accomplished, I can't nullify it and bring Johnny out of it. The only way to do that is to capture the other Johnny Thunder and the Thunderbolt. And now we're over the page to the top of page 16. Caption says, At an agreed-upon rendezvous, the former, now Baron headquarters of the Justice League, 
The Justice Society members make their reports. Yeah, they're in the caves. Terrific. Dr. Fate is saying, It's clear now what's happened. By preventing any superpowered heroes from coming into existence, this has been turned into an alternate Earth. And the Atom says, But what part did the Thunderbolt and that crook Johnny Thunder play in this? Then the Flash says in the next panel, That's what we have to find out by pretending to be Justice League members. When Johnny Thunder sees him come back to life, he may be so startled by our unexpected appearance, he'll blurt out the truth. And Dr. Fate says, Good idea, Flash, but which of us will be what member of the Justice League? And in the next panel, left to right, the Atom is saying, I'll be my namesake, the Atom, with Green Lantern's help. And Green Lantern says, Will Power Ring do, Adam? And I'll be Green Lantern, of course. And the Flash says, With my super speed, it'll be easy to masquerade as the Flash. And Mr. Terrific says, I'm terrific enough to act as Batman. And Hawkman says, A skin change to green and I'll impersonate the Martian Manhunter. Oh, that's amazing. That's my favourite. The first three guys are like, Yeah, I'll be the guy that I've either got the same name as or um, my powers are quite close to. And Mr. Terrific's like, Yeah, it's dead. I'll just put a cape on and be okay. And then Hawkman's like, Yes, I'll be painted green. poor Hawkman and Dr. Fate concludes this panel by saying I'll wake like Superman my magic will enable me to approximate his superpowers little tiny caption says story continues the next page there's an advert for Tootsie Pops which is nice so we move to page 17 big caption says Earth without a Justice League part 3 as the mystical might of Green Lantern's power ring flares to mingle with the magical wizardries of Dr. Fate's An eldritch change comes over the members of the Justice Society of America. Fading away are their superhero identities of Earth 2. Appearing in their stead are the missing members of the Justice League of Earth 1. So this is a great panel. The background essentially of the panel shows the JSA members sort of fading out. In the foreground of the panel, we see the recognisable JLA members. So as Alan Scott fades out in the background, Hal Jordan's in front of him. We can see that the Hal Jordan Green Lantern is using his power ring and... We see the Ray Palmer atom in front of the Al Pratt atom. We see Batman in front of Mr. Terrific. We see Martian Manhunter in front of Hawkman. Barry Allen Flash in front of Jay Garrick. And Superman in front of Dr. Fate. So, the first guy to speak is Mr. Terrific as Batman, who says, Let's get going. And then Hawkman as Martian Manhunter says, Where do we find Johnny Thunder and his Thunderbolt? And then finally Dr. Fate as Superman says, I'll find them with my magical telescopic vision. Terrific. Cut back to Johnny Thunder and the caption says, In his hideout, the criminal Johnny Thunder is bemoaning his sorry fate. Just my luck to have a bunch of superheroes show up on Earth after I'd gotten rid of the Justice League. Say you, T-Bolt, where are those characters anyway? As Thunderbolt looks out the window, he says, They've disappeared from Earth. And he thinks, That's true enough from my point of view, since they've changed themselves into the Justice League. Next panel, Johnny slams his hand down on a table, saying, That's great! If they're gone, I can go out robbing again. But this time, I won't bother with a gang. You're enough of a gang for me, T-Bolt. I've got just a caper you can handle to a T. And we're over the page in page 18, and the first caption says, Moments later, Johnny Thunder rides the Thunderbolt across the sky toward an ocean liner hired for a charity cruise. Yep, nice big ship. They're flying over the ocean, and Johnny's saying, The ship is loaded with millionaires. We'll make a fast haul and a faster getaway. As Johnny is deposited onto the deck, and we see Johnny standing on the deck of the ship, a thunderbolt hovering beside him, and watching from the side are two men in suits, one of which looks incredibly like Julie Schwartz, don't you? Yes, it does, doesn't he? I was just thinking that, yeah. yeah. He's got a cigar and everything. Yeah, and Johnny says... Now line them all up for me. 
and keep them helpless while I swipe their valuables. Caption to the next panel. Suddenly, from above. And we see the disguised JSA members as the Justice League swooping in. Green Lantern is using a, his power ring to create a bubble for Flash, Batman and the Atom. And Johnny sees them and he's a bit rattled and he says, The J Justice League! Alive! Back in action! Hold it! Cancel all orders! You ones coming up! Divide yourself into six thunderbolts and start fighting them guys! In the next panel, we see the Thunderbolt, sure enough, splitting into six bits and then all separating out. And one of them is thinking, He doesn't know it, but by dividing myself into six different thunderbolts, each of me is only one-sixth as strong as my original self. So the caption for the next panel, The Martian Manhunter is the first one to make contact with the Batnesian Hexbolts. And we see Martian Manhunter, who, as we know, is Hawkman in disguise, punching out the Thunderbolt, who thinks, Ouch! I felt <laughs> that. I must be even weaker than I thought I'd be. So over the page to page 19, and we see Dr. Fate as Superman attacking another Thunderbolt. The caption says, Superman dives like a cannonball, gripping and carrying his Thunderbolt towards the ship's massive anchor. And as they zoom towards it, Thunderbolt was thinking, The impact won't hurt the Man of Steel, but it'll just about flatten me. And in the next panel, we see Batman, Mr. Trevigan Disguise, grabbing a Thunderbolt and bearing him towards the, the ship's swimming pool. The caption says, While Batman makes one of his patented flying tackles. So they're falling towards the water, and Thunderbolt thinks, When he hits that water, short circuits! In the caption for the next panel says, Simultaneously, the Scarlet Speedster forces his opponent downward with feet that drum with accelerating power. And this is great because it basically looks like the Flash is running on the spot on the Thunderbolt's head. It's tremendous. And the Flash is thinking, When we land on that deck, he'll be out cold. The next panel shows Green Lantern and the Thunderbolt out over the sea. The caption says, the Emerald Crusader drives a mighty yo-yo downward. And Green Lantern is powering the yo-yo, battering the Thunderbolt in the head. And Green Lantern is thinking, The Thunderbolts can withstand our six-way attack for long. Caption for the next panel. The Tiny Titan doubles himself into a ball and, like a living pinwheel, lands right on targets. The Atom shrunk down, cartwheels into Thunderbolt's eye. That's a sh That looks really painful. <laughs> and Thunderbolt is saying, Yay, my eye! So, top of page 20, the caption says, Six times the Thunderbolt hits hard against the ship he has come to rob. Six times he sees stars, or worse. And, watching his gang go to pieces, Johnny Thunder comes face to face with his moment of truth. It's a nice montage sort of page. We see the batman Mr. Terrific combo knocking the Thunderbolt into the swimming pool with a giant zzzt. We see the Atom punching the Thunderbolt with a whap. We see Superman slamming the Thunderbolt with a thud. We see Green Lantern yo-yoing the Thunderbolt with a clunk. We see the Flash bringing the Thunderbolt down to the surface of the ship with a bonk. And we see the Martian Manhunter stroke Hawkman slamming his Thunderbolt into the side of the ship with a thump. And in the middle of the page, there's a nice close-up panel of Johnny thinking, The Thunderbolt ain't doing so hot. I gotta face up to it. He just ain't strong enough to handle all them super characters by himself. Over the page to page 21, following an 80-page giant Jimmy Olsen being advertised, I'm sure we've seen already. So at the top of page 21, the caption says, Still under his master's orders, the Batnesian Hexbolt fights back desperately. We see the Thunderbolt wrapping Superman up in the anchor saying, Here's an anchor twist for you, Superman. We see the Thunderbolt magicking the swimming pool so that it freezes, and Thunderbolt says, You're iced in, Batman. 
we see the Thunderbolt essentially spearing the Atom on a little little bit of wood and he says, This splinter will hold you, Atom. We see Thunderbolt throwing the yo-yo back at Green Lantern, saying, And a yo-yo to you, Green Lantern. We see the Thunderbolt turning the tables in the Martian Manhunter stroke Hawkman, flinging him against the side of the ship, saying, That's quite an impression you made in the ship, Manhunter. <laughs> Terrific. And then the final little bit in this little montage, we see the Thunderbolt spinning the Flash round on his axis, saying, Top this, Flash! (laughs) Wonderful. The next caption on page 21 says, But his success is only momentary as the superstars strike back. Yeah, Superman bursts out the anchor, knocking the Thunderbolt flying. Batman bursts out the ice and throws a bit of ice at Thunderbolt. The Atom punches back. Green Lantern throws the yo-yo back again at Thunderbolt. Martian Manhunter strikes Thunderbolt another blow and the Flash is doing a thing with his fists, taking out the Thunderbolt. And there's a nice inset panel of a very annoyed Johnny who's saying, Man, he's had it! Say you, T-Bolt, join yourself together again and let's beat it away from here. Over to page 22. As the Thunderbolt streaks across the sky... See Thunderbolt flying along with Johnny on his back. Johnny says, They looked like and acted like the Justice League. Were they really them? If not, who were they? And Thunderbolt replies, They were the Justice Society members of Earth 2, disguising themselves as the Justice League members I prevented from existing. And we get a nice close-up of Johnny, who's saying, Oh ho! So that explains it. Trying to trick me, eh? Well, two can play that game. I got an idea, T-Bolt. You were going to free six of my best boys from the jail them Justice Society guys put them in. Caption for the next panel says, As the Hexbolt deposits his Earth-1 boss in his boarding house. It's quite a cramped panel here. We see Johnny through the window inside his building, and Thunderbolt's flying off, and Johnny's saying, Then take the six of them back in time to the point where the original JLA members became super. But this time, substitute my boys in their place. Hurry it up, before the Justice Society tracks me down here. And Thunderbolt says as he flies off, Since I'm travelling in time, I'll be back in no time at all. So the caption for the next panel says, So it is that Race Morrison and not Barry Allen gains the super speed of the Flash, as it is Barney Judson who becomes this ice-shrinking atom. And this panel shows a guy with dark hair, not Barry Allen, being struck by lightning and splashed with the chemicals. And then there's another guy who's sort of circled by the atom's little atomic reducing effect going on. It's clearly not Ray Palmer. The caption for the next panel, this panel really makes me laugh. The caption for the next panel says, Eddie Orson is gifted with the powers of the Martian Manhunter. Ripper Jones is substituted for Superman. Bill Gore is turned into Batman. And Monk Loomis wins the right to become (laughs) Green Lantern. Wins the right to become Green Lantern. As if it's a reality TV show. Yeah, this is a great panel because there's a slightly dodgy looking Martian Manhunter who's obviously not Martian Manhunter. Then a shady guy who's in a Superman costume. Monk Loomis, it must be said, does have a slight resemblance to Power Ring. Yes. From the the crime syndicate. But at the foreground of this panel, we have a a, a very dodgy looking unshaven guy in Batman. Batman's mask. So <laughs> amazing. We'll talk about this when we get to the end. So top of page 23, the caption says, When the Thunderbolt returns, Johnny Thunder is surrounded by a super gangster Justice League. And we see the dodgy Martian Manhunter, the dodgy Superman, the Monk Loomis dodgy Green Lantern, the unshaven Batman, the Flash, who now has a very neat moustache. These are basically the same bodies I think that we saw earlier on. The Atom is standing on the Flash's shoulder. And Johnny is saying to the group, Remember, you take your orders from me, see, or I'll wipe you out. When them JSA guys show up here, fight them with your superpowers and trance them good. And Thunderbolt says, Here they come now. I love his, the gesture Thunderbolt's doing, just like a wee thumbs. 
coming yeah. out the window casually. <laughs> Caption for the next panel. Shortly, the Justice Society members, still posing as Justice League superheroes, thunder into Johnny Thunder's hideout. Sure enough, they burst the door off the hinges. I love the detail again of the, the cracked glass from the wall. It's tremendous. So the ersatz jelly has burst through the door and Green Lantern says, The Justice League! And the Flash says, No, they're dressed like the JLA, but they're not. And Johnny Thunder says, Correct! This is my Justice League. Bad guys, each and every one of them, I'm happy to say. Moreover, I know you're not the real Justice League either. I stopped them from ever getting started. Instead of them, I had my own gang become superheroes, as you can see. I'm going to make you sorry you ever began meddling in my affairs. It's a great panel of Johnny standing between the two assembled Justice Leagues. Both of them false. In an inset panel, Johnny continues. But to avoid any confusion, to make sure I can follow the action without a scorecard, Thunderbolt, do your stuff. Change them guys into their real costume cells. Over the page to page 24. First caption says, The Thunderbolt strikes and, in an instant, a magical transformation. Superb. Superman returns to being Dr. Fate. The Flash reverts to being Jay Garrick. The Hal Jordan Green Lantern returns to being Green Lantern. Batman is revealed as Mr. Terrific. The Martian Manhunter reverts to Hawkman. And the Atom returns to his Earth 2 Atom stylings. The closing panel caption says, His voice cracking in triumph. Johnny Thunder of Earth 1 sounds the call to combat. And we see the JSA lined up on the left-hand side of the panel and the Baddie Justice League lined up on the right hand of the panel. And in the middle from the back, we see a back view of Johnny's head as he says, Okay, now I can see who's who. So, let the battle begin. And we have a closing caption box which says, At this critical point, we are obliged to end this first part of our two-book story about this criminal Johnny Thunder of Earth-1 and his misuse of the Earth-2 Thunderbolts. The Battle Royale will begin in the forthcoming issue of Justice League of America, in which we will learn if the Justice Society can defeat the criminal Justice League and do anything to return the real Justice League to life. Gosh, and there we have it. Yeah. Well, what do you think? Very exciting. It was, wasn't Very it? Very exciting. Quite a few things to talk about there. Yes. Obviously, we talked about the, the changing of the origins initially. Mm -hmm. A thing I want to point out as well is there was a massive clue that the Justice Society were disguised as the Justice League when they approached the boat. Did you spot it? Could it be the fact that the Flash is able to stand on the surface of the Green Lantern power bubble? Yes, absolutely. So the original Green Lantern from Earth 2, the weakness of his power ring is that it doesn't work on anything made out of wood. Mm. But the Earth-1 Green Lantern's weakness is it doesn't work on anything yellow. And obviously we've got the Flash, who's got yellow boots, standing on this power-ringed cheese dish affair that he's bringing everyone into panel yeah. on. So yeah, that shouldn't happen. Occasionally they do fluff that up in general. Uh, but quite often I've seen the Flash standing in a Green Lantern power ring bubble holding his boots. Uh, I've seen that a couple of times. So I always think it's quite funny when that happens. It's it's yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like, oh, wait a minute, Barry, you better take your boots off. As I might have said earlier on, my first memory of reading issues 37 and 38 was that I felt they were a bit of a backward step. But they're actually, this is actually, it's a lot of fun. I've really quite enjoyed reading through it. The artwork's variable, as is always the case, I think, with Sikowski. There's, but there's some good layouts and stuff. It's quite dynamic. It moves quickly. I love the idea of seeing the alternate unpowered versions of the JLA. Like the, yeah. the moments where we see um, Hal Jordan and Barry Allen. They're terrific. I keep saying that word. It's not intentional because of Terry being there. I, just <laughs> I really, really like those. Although... Do you not think that Barry would have been a bit more enthusiastic about seeing his childhood hero, Jay Garrick, live yeah. in the flesh in front of him? Because apparently everything was the same in his life up to the point of the, the lab accident. Yeah. 
they only show as part of the conversation. Maybe there was a moment when Barry mm-hmm. ecstatically received Jay into his laboratory. That would have been nice. Because we know when Barry first went to Earth 2, he basically fanboy squeed and turned up at Jay's yeah. door saying, <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> you must be Joan Williams. I know all about you and your fiancé, Jay Garrick. You know, in a really creepy way. And it's like, yes. yeah, you mean my husband? Yes. Okay. Yes. It was just really yes. creepy stalkery way. But yeah, yeah you think absolutely. he would be more enthusiastic. <laughs> I see. I mean, it it may have happened off panel. It's only it's only a little highlight moment. True, true. I love the just the nonsense of the. Well, it's not nonsense. It's a good idea that they have to dis, the JSA has to disguise themselves as as the JLA to trick Johnny. I quite like that. I mean, it has the effect Johnny's a bit rattled. Flash, Green Lantern, and Doctor Fate all get the chance to kind of show their powers, but Hawkman and the Alpra Atom and Missile Terrific are just fairly generic people in this. There's not really much to um, yeah, true. to really differentiate their powers or characters. Maybe in part mm-hmm. two we'll see some of that. I don't know. Mm. As I said already, I enjoyed this much more pre- than I did when I read it previously. I think at the time I must have thought, oh, this is a bit childish and silly. And I suppose uh-huh. it is a bit childish and silly, but more than anything else, it's fun. Yeah. It's it was an enjoyable little, to use a phrase that I don't like, it's an enjoyable little romp. Shall we take a look at the, the new Justice League Origins? Try and figure yes, this out. let's do that. We've got... Race Morrison being hit by the lightning bolt in front of the chemicals, yeah. getting the powers of the Flash. That makes sense. That's okay. Isn't Race a brilliant first name for someone who's going to become the Flash? Absolutely, yes. I love that. That's cool. That's, I love that indeed. So I wonder if maybe the, the Thunderbolt maybe just grabbed Race Morrison and took him to the laboratory and engineered the lightning bolt or something. That's that's fairly, fairly straightforward. Switch their places at the last minute, maybe. Yeah, something like that, yeah. But the next one, Barney Judson becomes the Atom. Now, Ray's a scientist who discovered the white dwarf matter, mm. crafted it, mm. used it to make a costume, made size controls yep. to affect his mass and size, and this is just a hood, just an ordinary hoodlum. So how? Yeah, but it's how does that work? It's interesting. The hoodlum's kind of he look. He does look a bit like Ray when Al Pratt Atom visits Ray Palmer Atom. Ray mm-hmm. Palmer Atom talks about having been doing the work. But Thunderbolt destroyed the the dwarf star fragment, didn't he? Yeah, but he could always go back and change that. Does he reconstitute the fragments of the of the dwarf star so that the evil laddie can use it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's a risk of of wanting to say if you think about this bit too much, the whole story could fall apart. I don't know. Let's move on to the next ones. How does a hoodlum get the powers of Martian Manhunter or Superman? I have no idea. And also, Power Ring that chooses its next user. Even then, so it wouldn't yeah. choose like a hoodlum. I mean, so how would that work? I'm sort of wondering now: is Krypton wasn't destroyed in this alternate thing that the Thunderbolt created? Was it maybe an experiment on Krypton, firing someone off into space? Maybe it's a Kryptonian astronaut that came to Earth, or a Kryptonian child who was fired up into space and landed and landed somewhere and was mm. raised by the Jones family. Why Why wasn't it Ripper Jones who became Martian <laughs> Manhunter? That's what I want to know. That may have made a bit more sense, mm-hmm. given the John Jones alias. Maybe, maybe this is another Kryptonian raised by another family. Could be. Bill Gore turned into Batman. Batman's probably the easiest one to explain away, because it is basically just training and knowledge. Yeah, it's training in a costume. I mean... Could, is it possible, though, that the Thunderbolt tweaked it so that a, a guy called Bill Gore's parents were killed and Bill mm-hmm. Gore was inspired to become Batman, but to do it evilly, to become more I don't know. The Green Lantern one's tricky because, as you say, mm-hmm. you don't earn the right. The, the ring gets passed on, unless there's a story that we haven't seen where he was the closest person. But then Green Lantern wouldn't be able to operate. Yeah. His, you know, he, nah, he couldn't operate as a baddie. Could he have been put near Abin Sur and then stole the ring from him or something? I don't know. I think the only way that this works is if the Thunderbolt has just magically created the powers and bestowed it upon the gangsters. Mm. Apart from, you see the Flash origin mm-hmm. there, that's, that's the only one we actually see an origin for, which that makes sense. But yeah. 
he could magically bestow yeah. the other powers to the other four. I mean, putting Batman aside just now, because as I said, he's still human. To fashion a power ring, he could make a magical equivalent of a power ring. Yeah. Martian Manhunter and Superman are similar enough that they could probably give them magnesium energy to channel into that, and yeah. the same goes for the atom. Uh-huh. I think that's the only way that works, because otherwise it's just yeah. far too much of a jump in, yes. in logic. Yes, uh, absolutely. Couldn't put it better myself. It's, it's, it is a leap, yeah. definitely. Yeah. This is the third Justice Society Justice League team up. Yes. And it's the second one in a row to feature alternate evil versions <laughs> of The Flash, Superman, Green Lantern, yeah. and Batman. Maybe that was fed into my dissatisfaction <laughs> when I first read it. You know, I thought, hang on, we've had all this already. But because I mean, it's, it's been quite a while mm-hmm. since we recorded 29 and 30. We've done an awful lot of stories in between. Yeah. So the, it doesn't feel maybe quite as close. And, but it's not that long since we did that World's Finest that had the, the evil versions of Superman and Batman. True. That's another thing I think it's worth pointing out. It's like a, a, another evil version of the Justice League. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if it's a good idea, use it again. Yeah, and also not technically another parallel Earth. It's just an altered Earth. Aye. Earth A, they've yeah. called this. So, so, yeah, just a timelined altered Earth. It's interesting because it's obviously it's called Earth Without a Justice League. Mm-hmm. I won't reveal the the title of part two of the story, but that's a bit more on the nose, a bit more exciting and a bit more appropriate. Yeah, yeah on the nose, definitely. Do we want to look at Weed's reaction then? Now, well, before we go into the letters page covering ah, this issue, of course, there's a letter in this issue from future Justice League writer Mike Friedrich uh, talking about the deadly dooms of Doctor Destiny, a very alliterative uh, issue of Justice League <laughs> uh, earlier on. And yeah, it's, I always like it when we get future creators having their fanboy yes. moments in the letter columns. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we won't get into that because obviously we didn't cover that story. The the actual reader reaction to this issue, what issue were they in, Pizzi? Just League of America, issue 41. Righty, so I'll, do the, I'll read out the first letter. Mm-hmm. And it says, Dear Editor, during the time that I've collected National Comics, once and only once did you dare to predict reader reaction to any of your comic books. And that particular instance was on the cover of Flash 123, Flash of Two Worlds. Then... As I looked over the cover of Justice League of America 37, August 1965, I found to my utter astonishment that you had taken the plunge again. Oh-ho! I thought. All this business about the revival of the Justice Society must have gone to their heads. I can hardly wait to read it and write the editor about how foolish he was to do such a thing. An excellent story as it appeared to be, yes, but a classic, really? And in brackets he's written, naturally, being a rather new collector, I did not recognise Johnny Thunder's Bandesian Hex Thunderbolt on the cover. Then came surprise number two. As I read the story beginning on the splash page, I just simply couldn't put it down. My reading speed increased so rapidly that when I came to the end of page 24, I was very severely let down. My interest mounted with every panel until I was insensible to everything about me, and as the end of part one brought me to a screeching halt, I sat aghast, gaping at the last page. Surely such a story cannot be. It was too good for Gardner Fox. But then, nothing seems too good for that author when it comes to writing excellence. Now I can hardly wait until JLA 38 arrives. I'll be counting the days till it does. Conclusion, simply this, that when JLA editor toots his own horn, you can be sure it will emit a sweet C for classic. And that's from Joe Melender Jr., I think that is, mm-hmm. um, Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. And uh, the very short editorial response is... About that concluding line of yours, we're supposed to pull the gags around here, and that's the toot, says the editor. <laughs> Amazing. Right, so the next letter. Dear Editor, the August GLA was very outstanding for three reasons. The first, of course, was that it featured the Justice Society of America. The close-ups of the GSAers by Sikowski were remarkable. He seems to have captured the artistic style of the 40s with this issue. Another reason for my liking Earth Without a Justice League was because of its simplicity. It did not go too far on the scientific angle, 
and this bettered its story content. In fact, the past few issues of the JLA have been far better than the earlier scientific slanted ones for this reason. Still another reason for this being an outstanding novel was the humour of the Thunderbolt. If readers didn't like this one, I'd say, see you! On second thought, considering the trouble that the Johnny Thunder of Earth 1 got into, I better not. And that's from Frank Tower, Eustace, Texas. Frank Tower, there are actually quite a lot of uh, letters from Frank Tower around about this period. He's, oh, really? Yeah, he's cool. quite, a, quite a letter hack. I think he had one actually in JLA 37 as well. So there. Oh, yes, yeah, so he does. Cool, brilliant. And the editorial response is... Your reasons for liking Earth Without a Justice League seem very reasonable, says us. Editor. Okay. Right, so the next letter. Dear Editor, the August JLA was a tremendous piece of work. The cover was magnificent. Confidentially, well, you can make it public if you want. I was glad not to see the JLAs, as we see enough of them during the year anyway. Let the JSA, the original and greatest superhero group of comicdom, take over. Glad to see the return of Missile Terrific and Johnny Thunder. I was wondering when Johnny T would get into action again. I was also wondering if Gardner Fox could turn on the humour with him as he did two decades ago. This issue proves that he can. The story was the funniest JLA tale I've ever read. But somehow the best part of the issue was the spot in which the Thunderbolt prevented the heroes from coming into existence, especially those two panels with the original Batman. They were the highlight of the issue. I'm sure I join with Batmania everywhere in thanking you for these prize panels. My only complaint was where the Thunderbolt turned those crooks into replicas of the JLAers. How could he have done this? I can see how a crook could become Atom or Flash, but how about the others? The criminal who replaced Superman would have had to have been born on the planet Krypton. Ah, just as the one who replaced John Jones would have had to have been born on Mars. If this is what Thunderbolt caused to happen, you should have elaborated on it. And that's from John Pierre, Columbus, Ohio. And the editorial response is... To have elaborated on how the Superman and John Jones, even Green Lantern switcheroos were made, would have meant less space for more important details in the tale. Besides, when we said the Thunderbolt could do anything, we meant just that, says the editor. Oh well. How about that for a non-answer? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, moving on swiftly. <laughs> right, so the final letter in issue 37 goes like this. Dear editor, boy, this Johnny Thunder sure was some character. His power is the oddest of any I've ever seen. He and that crazy Thunderbolt are terrific. Why didn't we see him before? I sure hope you feature him in future GSA epics because they're just a thing to liven up a story. In case you want to know, I thought a competitive company was original when it featured a cover without the magazine's hero on it. You've got them beat by a mile. The GLA wasn't featured once in the whole darn issue. This is what I call originality. <laughs> From Ken Hoddle, Chicago, Illinois. So there we are. No editorial response to that. I think that's pretty much it in a nutshell. That is a brilliant point, though, because, I mean, Just Leave America, issue 37, and the only time we see the, the actual guys who make up the team, they're either in their civilian identities mm -hmm. and they haven't had the powers, or they're just referenced to sort of off-panel. And again, this is another story following very quickly after we've had, um, you know, the showcase issues uh -huh. and the Brave and Bold issue that we've done so far. Mm -hmm. This is another issue where the focus is solely completely on the Golden Age characters. That's pretty cool. We do have that battle for a couple of panels with the Barry Allen flash. Yeah. But apart from that, yeah. there's absolutely nothing... A couple of alternate history takes of their civilian identities, but but that's it. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, this is not the only time that we'll have a cover that just features just society members and OJLers. That does happen again. Mm. It's interesting because it does make me sort of think: Will they try this issue as a test to see if maybe if the JSA could float their own book entirely of their own? But yeah. then, as I say, Hawkman and Mister Terrific really didn't get much of a chance to to shine. So I don't know. We'll see. It seemed very Doctor Fate led most of that, to be honest. But that makes sense. Mm. He seemed to be like yeah. the de facto leader almost, which whereas you know. People mm -hmm. tend to think of Hawkman as the, as the GSA leader. Yeah, Hawkman very muted mm -hmm. on that issue. 
Very surprising. Any further thoughts on the issue? I like the Earth One Johnny Thunder. He's a, he's quite a fun character. Yeah. Very different from his Earth Two original. Yeah, I like how his morality is different, but he's still quite as inept as the Earth Two Johnny. That's, <laughs> that seems to be a character yeah. character trait of the Johnny Thunders. I'd love to know his background. You know, is he also the seventh son of a seventh son and all that sort of stuff? I'm sure he is. No, it sounds like it. it. Let's say he was raised by the yeah. Bagnesians. So yeah, so it seems to be that it's yeah. pretty much similar. Yeah. We just didn't end up with the Thunderbolt. And obviously, he's got the ability to command the Thunderbolt, so he probably is in the same position. Uh-huh. Makes you wonder, then, if is there someone else on Earth 1 who has the Thunderbolt and chooses not to be so public about it? Mm. Or maybe there isn't anyone else on Earth. But more questions than we have answers, I suppose. That's true. Anyway. Some of these things may be answered in the very next issue. Oh, I wonder. Yeah. You'll have to tune in to find out. Indeed. That's our thoughts on the issue. What are yours? Please get in touch with us. You can email us at theearth2podcast at gmail.com. Uh, make sure you follow us on Facebook. Uh, we are at the F2 Podcast because we're putting up some select highlights from this very issue and tons of other bonus content, which you can also find on Instagram, also at the F2 Podcast, and on Twitter at podcast underscore Earth2. This is the perfect opportunity to give a quick shout out to, to my very good friend Mick Pride, who's been listening to us catching up on us recently. He mentioned to me on Instagram that he'd been listening and was enjoying it. So cheers, Michael. Yeah, thanks very much for listening. And make sure you tune in next time. I've been Peter. And I've been David. And you've been listening to... The The Earth Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. Yeah, my eye!